Good morning, Connect Church. How are you today? Y'all look all bright and sunshiny and whatnot today. I can't believe you're here. I figured everybody would be camping. I thought I'd preach to myself. Made it way less stressful. I was like, I'll just stand up here and be like, hmm. Okay. So, I'm going to warn you ahead of time. I really, really like the Bible a lot. And specifically, I really, really like the Old Testament. So we're going to spend a lot of time, well, it's a short sermon. We're going to spend a lot of time in the Old Testament. So if you don't have your Bibles, I'm so sorry we couldn't load the verses. You're just going to have to listen. But if you do have your Bibles, get prepared, because we are going to read, okay? All right, yeah, get prepared. All right, have you ever been sitting behind somebody at a traffic light? The light turns green, and they don't move. Oh, my gosh. I'm not one to want to use my horn a lot. I feel like that's for emergency situations. And so I just scream, go! Like, nobody can hear me unless my windows are down, then I feel a little bad because I don't want to offend the person, but I still want them to move forward. And then you have to sometimes honk the horn, please. But sometimes it's us. Sometimes we're the ones who didn't realize the light turned green. Has that ever happened to you? So what are those things that make us miss that green light? Texting. Anybody? I'll claim it. Done it. (laughs) Yelling at kids in the back seat. You're too busy. When I get home. Uh, Yeah, I see hands. (laughs) Daydreaming. Ah, yes. Looking for something in the vehicle. You're like, if I can just reach the water bottle. So you're like leaned all the way over, just hoping you don't move forward. Staring at somebody who's walking or in another car. I've done that where I'm looking in the rearview mirror. I'm like, I think I know that person. Just staring. They're like, honk. <laughs> oh, so embarrassed. They're like, they saw me. Uh, trying to figure out where you're at or where you're going, especially in a new city, a big city. Um, or wanting to make a U-turn. So you can't go, you have to wait for all the oncoming traffic. So everybody behind you is sitting there like, mm. you know? <laughs> You're like, sorry, I need to go the other way. <laughs> so when we don't move forward, we affect more than just ourselves. We stop everyone behind us from getting to where they need to be. Jonah decided to do a U-turn when told to go. Jonah was called by God to go to Nineveh, which is a modern day, which is modern day Iraq, to a people who were described as evil and Gentiles. They were really bad. So let's read. We're going to read Jonah 1, 1 through 15. So this is where if you have your Bible, get involved. Um, I'm reading out of the NIV just because I feel it's an easier translation. Bless you. <laughs> Sorry. It's all good. (laughs) All right. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amida. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. So if you can look at the map, he went the exact opposite way of where he was supposed to. He was headed for southern Spain, which I probably would too. I'm going to be honest. But he was supposed to go that way. 
Um, sorry. So he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee, flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God, and they threw cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. He wasn't affected. This didn't bother him. The captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, tell us who is responsible for making all of this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? He answered, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. This terrified them and they asked, what have you done? So this is truly affecting them because he chose not to go where he was supposed to go when he was supposed to go. So now their ship is breaking apart. They're afraid they're going to die. And he was sleepy because it didn't affect him. This, oh, because it's see. They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher, so they asked him, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man, for you, Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. Ooh, the light makes this shine. Okay, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> so he's now put them in another position, because now they feel guilty for throwing him overboard, because he chose not to go. God said go. He's like, mm, go the other way. He was called to preach. To the, he was called to go to the Middle East, which already lived in, but further into the Middle East, to a people who were like ISIS. It would be the equivalent of us going to the Middle East and preaching to ISIS. Many of us know how the rest of the story went. Uh, Jonah gets swallowed by a big fish. He spends three days in its belly. He prays to God and repents for not being obedient when he was told to go. He says in Jonah 2.5, The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. That sounds truly awful. Have you ever been in the ocean before and you get it wrapped around your feet, wrapped around your arms? It is, oh, gross. It is wrapped around his head and he's in the belly of a fish. God does not play around. When he tells you to go, there's consequences if you don't. Jonah 3, 1 through 2 says, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. 
This time he does what he's told to do and goes to Nineveh. We know that the fish throws him up on the ground and he is bleached white. So now he's bleached white and he's in the hot sun. There's consequences. So he goes into Nineveh, which they say it takes three days to walk across, about 60 miles. There's 120,000 people that live in this town, the city. And he is not at all happy, but he does it. And he walks across saying, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. And everyone repented. 120,000 people. Everyone repented. That's twice the size of Great Falls. Everyone repented. And how did Jonah react? He got angry because he didn't want them to repent. He wanted God to destroy the city. The story ends with him sitting outside the city throwing a tantrum. If you don't believe me, read Jonah. You should read Jonah anyway. It's really good. He's all upset in the, in the outside of the city, mad because of a big leaf that fell down, and he's just miserable. And that's the story of Jonah. It ends like that because he wasn't obedient. He couldn't let God do his thing. But God can turn this around. So Peter, a New Testament for you. Peter was staying in Joppa. <gasps> Joppa, right there. It, today it's modern-day Jaffa, J-A-F-F-A. It's right outside of Tel Aviv. It's a really beautiful area. So this is how cool this is. He had a vision while lying on the roof of a house. And in Acts 10, 19, 20, it tells us, while Peter was still thinking about the vision, the spirit said to him, Simon, which is Simon Peter, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Before this, Jews did not interact with Gentiles. They certainly didn't teach or preach to them. Peter went, and he taught to a large crowd of Gentiles. They were all filled with the Spirit and all baptized, and then they preached to their own. Isn't that amazing? How Peter and Jonah were in the exact same place, but their stories are so different. God can use anything in anybody if we're just willing so we're going to look at a few more ordinary people that God called to go. <laughs> i got to find where I'm at. Okay. Noah was told by God to build a boat because it was going to rain. It had never rained before. So this is Genesis. We're really early in the Bible. It had never rained, ever. He was like, it's going to rain. <laughs> okay. What does that mean? Says, go build a boat. And so Noah's like, all right, I'll build the boat. Everyone is making fun of him. Everyone. But he's like, well, I'm told to build a boat. I'm going to build a boat. He did what he was told without fully understanding. And a lot of times that's what God asks us to do. Do it without understanding. You don't have to know why you're going to do this. You're just going to do it. Genesis 7.1 says, The Lord said to Noah, Go into the ark, you and your whole family, because I have found you righteous in this generation. He went into the ark, he and his whole family, closed it up, knowing full well that everyone he has ever known before, with the exception of his family, is done. They're gone. Everyone he grew up with, everyone he grew old with, 
is gone. But he went because God told him to. So many others have been called out of their comfort zone to go. In Genesis 2, or pardon me, in Genesis 12, I've got to find it now, uh, 1 through 4, just a second. Where am I at? Okay. The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham went as the Lord had told him. And Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out for Haram. So when we see this call of Jesus, this call of God on Abraham, same thing, he was 75 when he was called to go, to leave everything he had known. You are never too old. You are never too young. He was obedient, even though he didn't know where he was going, what he was going to encounter. It's not like today where we can Google and be like, oh, that's a nice Google street view of that place. I can go there. Because of that obedience, he became father to Isaac at 100 years old, and his wife was 90. (laughs) God's will, (laughs) but... His obedience made way for those who came after him, those behind him. And this is where I think this is really cool because it just extends throughout the Bible. So he's he's told, if if you go, go, I will bless you. I will make you a great nation. And God does because he went. So um, the last story we're going to read today is is about Moses. So we're going to pop over to Exodus 3, 1 through 12. I don't know if any of you have a Bible. Okay. All right. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush, Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. I love that. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham. See? Continue. The God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, Amorites, Pezerites, 
Hivites and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. Is that not cool? Moses is like, oh, who am I? Like, I would, if I was told to go speak to the President of the United States or the Queen of England, I'd be like, Lord, who am I? Who am I? He said, I will be with you. If he calls you to go, he will be with you. Isn't that the most amazing thing? That's my favorite. Okay. Um, so they left. He, he went to Pharaoh. As many of you know, all the spectacularness that occurred after that, went to Pharaoh. He said, let my people go into the wilderness that they may feast. And Pharaoh's like, no. So then all the plagues came down. Egypt got decimated, then wandered out, went to the Red Sea, got stuck at the Red Sea, and all of the Egyptian armies came down, and they're stuck at the sea, and there's no place for them to go. And the Lord's like, why are you worried? Walk on through. Parted the Red Sea and walked on through, and then all the Egyptians drowned. It was a sad day. <laughs> because they were told to go and they were obedient. But then it kind of turns around. In Numbers 13, they've gotten to the promised land. It's right there. I mean, they can, it's just right there. And so God says, go ahead and go check it out. And Moses is like, hmm, we'll send 12 spies. We're going to send 12 people in, and they're going to tell us all about this. And so they go in, hang out. They bring back huge amount of grapes. And they said, yeah, this is a great place, land of milk and honey. It's fantastic. But their people are too big. They'll kill us all. Two of them said, Jake, uh, Joshua and Caleb said, no, we can do this. We can do this. God's with us. God told us to go. We can go. We can do this. And the rest are like, mm -mm, let's not do it. Uh -uh. We're going to die. We're like grasshoppers to them. We're going to die. And so Moses is like, okay, we won't go. So guess what? They got to wander the desert for 40 years because of their disobedience. Because if God is with you, you will succeed. He will make a way. He will create a path through the sea for you. And in the end, after 40 years, the only two out of the original group that got to go into the promised land were Joshua and Caleb, who said, let's go. Let's do this. Sometimes God, oh, see, oh, he still calls us to go. Matthew 28, 19 says, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. That is a command for all of us. All of us. Not one of us is, is out of that. Acts 5, 20 says, go, stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people all about this new life. That's every one of us. Sometimes God tells us to go and we don't understand. When he tells us to leave our job, our home, or a certain relationship, we don't want to when God tells us to give more of our time, more of our money, 
It's not comfortable when God tells us to go tell this person that he loves them. He never called us to understand. He never called us to approve. He never called us to be comfortable. He only called us to go. Like us to pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much. Thank you for this congregation. Thank you for this group of people, Lord. And I pray that you will call us out, Lord. I pray that we will be obedient to your call. And Lord, I pray that if there has been a time where we haven't been, that we will have a new chance, Lord, that you will give us another chance to step out into your perfect calling for our lives, that you will give us strength and courage in that, Lord. I pray that if anyone in here does not know you, Lord, that they would seek you today with their whole heart, that you would know how much you love them, that you are calling to them, come to me. Thank you, Heavenly Father. I pray you bless this week, bless this, this congregation and our worship. In your holy name, Jesus, amen.